We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now, people are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. And hello, everybody, and a happy Thanksgiving to everybody involved that is listening to us today and all year round. It is Thursday, November 26th. The Green Bay Packers do not play today on Thanksgiving. And later on, we're going to talk about whether or not we're appreciative of that or not. And we'll get into that. We have our whole Thursday crew here. I'm your host. I am Jacob Westendorf and joined, as always, by the mustached wonder and who cannot grow all the way into the full beard. So I'm not really sure what you got going on in there, Jimmy, but we've got to figure out a way to get that little last gap filled in so you can get yeah. that. But Jimmy, welcome. How are you doing? Good. I love Thanksgiving, so I'm in a very good mood this week. I only had two days of having to teach, so I'm I'm chipper as can be today. And I'll, right. go, I'll, go, I'll go to Meyer and just start holding Sharpies next to my face and see which one matches. I'll draw <laughs> it in for you. I had to work the first three days this week, and then I have to work uh, tomorrow for – I don't, I don't get tomorrow off. So it's, it's unfortunate, which kind of stinks. Cause in my 
profession, they kind of shut everything down essentially on Thursday. Sometimes you're busy on Thursday, Friday, but usually not really. So I'm not anticipating having a whole hell of a lot to do here in the next couple of days. And then of course, the one of our team that needs no introduction, of course, the wonderful Maggie Loney. Maggie, welcome to the show. I'm just glad that when you said mustached wonder, you segued into Jimmy because we were going <laughs> to, I was going to throw hands if you were coming at me. So I would have uh, segued to Mark if that were the case, even though he's not currently in the basement, which his mustache is coming in very nicely. He looks very nice. So that's worked out. Uh, the, the mustache looks, uh, you said at the beginning of the month that he grows a very good mustache and I've seen him with a full beard before, but never, never just the mustache. So that was certainly a pleasant surprise. Um, not that I guess I expected any differently, but it, it was just a nice little, uh, a new look for him. So that was a good thing to see. So I'm sure, are you looking forward to him being able to shave it or grow in something else? He hates it. He's never had a full mustache before. So he wants his beard back and I I like it. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I like weird facial hair. Like I want, I wanted him to do um, handlebars or like mutton chops. And he said, absolutely not. So we had the regular mustache. All right. So I'm starting a petition. Mark, please handlebars. <laughs> like it's uh, because my wife won't let me. So if your wife is asking you to do it, please, man. I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be incredible. Personally, my, uh, my uncle Mark had those when we went down to visit North Carolina a few weeks ago. And I was like, that is legendary. And I sent my wife a picture of it. She sent back. Absolutely not. That was it. And I was like, okay, so I, I guess not is the answer to that. But Guys, it's it's rivalry week. Not only is it Thanksgiving week, it's rivalry week. The Packers play the Bears for the first time this season. And am I the only one that thinks it seems weird that the Packers haven't played the Bears and it's November 29th on the first time they do? It seems like they always play them like the first game of the season and then a game. And they usually have them once when it's warm and once when it's cold. Well, now this year, it's mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure what the forecast is. I didn't review that, but uh, hopefully it's not supposed to be 85 mile an hour winds like it's been the last two times at Lambeau Field. But you get them two times now, once in November, and then once in Chicago in early January, right after the new year there for the season finale. Uh, it'll be the last game of the season for the Bears. It will not be the last game of the season for the Packers. So that'll be a nice little feeling to send their bags packing uh, for everything else. But the Bears, for those of you that have not kept up, here's a quick little synopsis of their season thus far. They started the season 5-1, and one, and we all kind of made a lot of jokes at their expense because the 5-1 and one was not very pretty. And now, predictably, their clock has struck midnight on Cinderella. They are now five and five. They've looked really inept over the last four weeks, and it really culminated in a disastrous Monday night performance. They had the game was close, but it really is only close because their defense is as good as it is. And you guys got some of that last night uh, with Dusty, Sarah, and Steve talking about that matchup. But their offense is horrible. They didn't score a touchdown, and now they're starting. A new old quarterback, uh, according to Daniel Greenberg, the Bears will be starting Mitchell Trubisky on Sunday against the Packers. And I want to start there because it's the most important position on the team, obviously. And Maggie, I want to start with you. I know this sounds like a strange question because I really think either way, I think all of us would admit that the Bears are putting lipstick on a pig regardless when it comes <laughs> to their quarterback. But are you more concerned with Trubisky in the game instead of Foles? Yeah. And I mean, I think going into the season, I thought Nick Foles was the better option for them to be successful. But now that we've kind of seen this Bears offensive line or lack of offensive line, you want the more mobile guy there because Nick Foles has never been, you know, that kind of scrambler. So 
anytime you can generate pressure against that offensive line and get after Foles, which unfortunately, I mean, it, it kind of felt like it was going to catch up to them. And we saw that when he took that shot from the Vikings and had to leave the game. So luckily it didn't seem to be as serious as it looked on TV live, but yeah, I think Mitch Trubisky historically, you know, has been able to keep plays alive with his legs and that's what they're going to want to do on Sunday against green Bay. So if his line breaks down, Foles was not going to be able to escape that pressure and Trubisky absolutely can. And the Packers pass rush is actually starting to work its way towards the middle of the pack in terms of their pass rush success rate. Some of that has to do with Rashawn Gary playing better. Kenny Clark's getting healthier. Zadarius Smith is winning more. Uh, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on the quarterback switch? I'm with Maggie. I would have rather seen Foles just because he's a statue, a mummy, whatever slow footed person euphemism you want to use. That's the way I feel about uh, Nick Foles as opposed to Trubisky where you know, he'll be, I don't, I mean, again, ultimately I don't think it really matters who's playing quarterback for them, but he's going to be able to make some more plays with his legs. And I don't know if it's just nightmares of Colin Kaepernick of the ghost of Colin Kaepernick's past or what it is with mobile quarter, Michael Vick from when I was a child. Like yeah. if it's just a quarterback that can move at all, that terrifies me about facing the Packers defense, but having a quarterback that can move at all gives me at least some pause that the defense is going to be able to slow this bears offense down. Yeah, no. And I'm with, I'm with both of you guys. I'm definitely more nervous with Trubisky back there just because he is so mobile. And like we said, Nick Foles, we've know what we knew. If Nick Foles was going to start, we know what to expect, but Trubisky, like there's some plays where he looks you're just confused on what he's doing. And then a couple plays later, he'll make a really great play. So you never know what Trubisky you're going to get. And, in a rivalry week, I could really see this being one of those times where the Bears offense does things that it hasn't done in other weeks just because of the extra little fire they have because they're facing the Packers, and it just sends Packer Twitter into a, a heaping dumpster. So uh, I'm, I'm nervous with Trubisky just because of a huge question mark of – I don't think he's good, but there's all those – there's sometimes those random glimpses that shows why they thought a second, or second overall pick was a good idea for him. And he's had at least – some okay performances against the Packers, like the the twenty to nothing Rogers comeback game. He was okay that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the game that they won their the NFC North uh, the year prior in, or excuse me, that season in, he was pretty good against Green Bay in that game. Obviously clinched the division that day. So that it, it's not nothing. Overall, I think what you're going to see is Trubisky will be able to make a few plays with his legs. And then you're going to see a few plays where the ball just kind of sails over his receivers' heads, and you see Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller kind of doing the whole Demarius yeah. Randall throw your hands up over your head. What the hell was that kind of kind of play? Overall, you know, for the Bears to win this game, it really does rest on the shoulders of their defense and being able to stop this Packers offense. And the reason that I just don't think that's going to be possible is the Packers played, and this is with all due respect to this Bears defense, Indianapolis's defense is better than Chicago's is. Uh, as of today, Akeem Hicks was a DNP yesterday. He may or may not be able to play on Sunday. Eddie Jackson is on the reserve COVID list. That is, He might be their best defensive player, not named Khalil Mack. That is a huge, that might be their second and third best players on the defense. That is a huge deal if those guys can't go. But the Packers just played a defense that is better than Chicago's. Didn't play all, they didn't play for an entire half and they threw up 31 points. So if you throw up 23 points against this Bears team, they their offense isn't really able 
to keep up. So I'm not all that concerned on that. I think Green Bay's pass rush, like I mentioned, is starting to get better. And Chicago's offensive line is putrid. Maggie kind of mentioned about that, being able to catch up to Nick Foles eventually. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury. And then you get into the fact that while maybe Chicago can find success in, success in the running game, they are one of the worst rushing offenses in the NFL. And they have not had a lot of success despite all the investment that they've had in their running game between Cordero Patterson and Tariq Cohen, who unfortunately has been injured. He's missing the rest of the season. And David Montgomery just hasn't been able to do anything behind that offensive line. So I say all that stuff to say, Maggie, what on this offense for the bears gives you, because I'm not, I mean, green Bay's defense isn't a juggernaut by any stretch. I think that's pretty fair to say by this point in the season too, but what on this offense gives you pause and thinking, okay, maybe they can do this well enough to put up enough points to give their defense a fighting chance. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to CompScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply. I mean, I'm kind of seeing these really horrific images of Jimmy Graham scoring a touchdown over Preston Smith <laughs> in my brain. And that is cause for concern if uh, Preston's in on man against Jimmy Graham or Cole Kmet. But honestly, I think it's David Montgomery. And Allen Robinson is really good, but I think he'll get you know, the Jair treatment and Kevin King is back and Anthony Miller's been pretty good this season. Okay. But, you know, I think the Packers secondary is going to be able to hang, but it's probably David Montgomery for me. And, you know, he leads their team and broken tackles, which obviously is an issue for this Packers defense is tackling in general, gang tackling and broken tackles just missing entirely. So I know he's coming back. He just got off the concussion protocol, so he should be good to go. And, you know, the Packers defense gave up some yardage to Jonathan Taylor. They've had their moments of being pretty cohesive as a, a run-stuffing team, but Montrevious Adams just got added to IR, so he'll be out for a couple weeks now. And it just feels like if that's if that's going to be a way for the Spears team to, to find some success, I don't think it's going to be on the arm of Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and I think that the way to attack the Packers secondary – is in the middle of the field. And you kind of alluded to that with Preston Smith covering Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet. And that even goes for, you know, Christian Kirksey and Oren Burks and uh, Kamal Martin and some of the safety, you know, hybrid type players with Raven Green and everything like that too. Attacking the edges is not the way to beat this Packers team. Uh, Jair Alexander's obviously over there and Kevin King came back. He allowed one catch for five yards uh, as he was the next nearest guarded defender. So that is 
the Packers do. They have a really good cornerback tandem on the outside, which again, kind of makes this entire operation all the more frustrating when you start talking about that and why this defense isn't better than it is when you have the ability to essentially not ignore, but worry less about offenses attacking the perimeter with success. So that's, that's frustrating and it's annoying all at the same time. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on the bears and where maybe they can find some success, success attacking Mike Patton's defense? Yeah. So if you look back to last week against the Colts, um, especially on that, that play to Pittman, it was just that little drag route. He did Phil Rivers dumped it off and that went for a touchdown. Uh, he had another one on that where it went for a first down and Matt LaFleur mentioned it. We, the defense plays soft a lot of times uh, and that leaves the middle of the field um, wide open. And Trubisky is not as smart as Phillip Rivers, but if they incorporate those drag routes just to kind of dump it off, a player that I'm a little worried about is Mooney. He hasn't been extraordinary this season, but he did. He is a really fast player. He ran a 4 3 8, um, 4 3 8 40. So dumping it off to him and giving him a chance to work in the open field. We saw what happened last week against the Colts and that's just one thing that makes me a little bit nervous that they want to play that dink and dump kind of thing like the Colts did and take their time down the field makes me a little bit nervous. But again, it it requires Trubisky to be on target with those dink and dunks. So there's a little bit of glimpse of hopes there, but Mooney's a player I'm a little nervous about. Yeah. And he's kind of like, you know, their version of Marquez Valdez Scantling, obviously he's a rookie. So he's just kind mm-hmm. of scratching the surface of some of his stuff too. So well, I'll be interested to see uh, Trubisky struggled to hit him down the field early this season. The good news is, or if you want good news on that, is the Packers have been very good at limiting explosive plays down the field like that. Probably a byproduct of the way Patton likes to play. But in addition, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos have both really picked up their play, especially Savage the last couple of weeks. Uh, Amos has really been solid since about week four <clears throat> this season. So that's been a positive thing for this Packers defense, which – Again, we're kind of saying all these things that the Packers have going in their favor defensively, and then we're not quite sure how they're, they just find ways to collapse. So the hope that you have, obviously, between now and the end of the year is, if we're really looking at it, guys, honest to God's truth, between now and the end of the season, they have some games that I would call them confidence builders. You're going to face Mitchell Trubisky, Carson Wentz, who I really enjoy his talent, but he's been awful one of the worst players at his position in the national football league. The lions just got shut out by the Panthers. They're not very good. Then you have the Panthers who their offense is going to be Teddy Bridgewater in the elements. I wish him luck on that regard. And then you have the Titans who have a pretty good offense. And then you have the bears again. That's one good offense in the last what six games. There's an opportunity for the Packers defense to build some confidence before going in the playoffs and potentially having to go through. We did this last week. We talked about the Packers road to the Super Bowl in the playoffs could potentially be Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, or Drew Brees, and then Patrick Mahomes. No slouches there. Maybe Tom Brady. There's my one subtle dig that I'll take here. <laughs> Otherwise, um, you know, the Packers are, they're not going to be facing any slouches, so they got to be ready to roll. Hopefully their confidence is at an all-time high and you could see some improvement again in the pass rush and just in the ability to limit some of these opposing offenses going through here. So that's our thoughts on the on the defense versus the the offense here. So we're going to have a little fun. It's it's Thanksgiving and we've got some, some lighthearted, kind of some Packers-related topics here that we wanted to get into. So my first question that I had for you guys, because it's, a little more controversial than I thought it might be. 
Uh, my first question is, do you like when the Packers play on Thanksgiving? Yes or no. And then why? And Maggie, I'll start with you. So when I was a kid, I didn't because I was always going to somebody else's house for Thanksgiving. And I always felt like there wasn't enough room in front of the TV and you were expected to socialize. And it was very hard to like be invested in the game. Um, now as an adult, I have a smaller Thanksgiving with just my immediate family and I'm always like at my dad's house. So when I'm with my parents and watching the game, that's what I do most Sundays when I can anyway, pre pandemic. So I, I do like it now more as an adult when I am able to focus on the game with like my favorite people. And obviously there's always food. So that, that helps, but, and then it gives your team a little bit of a mini buy, which is always nice kind of at this point in the season anyway. So I guess I've kind of changed my stance as a kid. I didn't like it, but now as an adult, I like it more. My thought is maybe before Thursday night football was a thing. Maybe I liked it more because of that mini buy thing, but overall I, I don't like the, having to play on a Thursday. I don't like the idea of them having to play on a holiday. I don't like the stress of having to watch a Packers game because I'm very high strung throughout the course of a game anyways. And I don't like having to be nervous or upset or it doesn't help that the Packers haven't played particularly well the last two times they played on Thanksgiving. So that certainly hasn't helped, but overall, I mean, it's been something that I, I would rather just watch the lions and the Cowboys and whoever they're playing against. And I can root against the Cowboys and enjoy that. And I can laugh at the lions and listen to the bogus narratives and make money about how the lions always play well on Thanksgiving, even though that's not true. And I make some money off of that. So I enjoy that every year. And then usually the nightcap has been pretty good. Unfortunately this year they had to move that one back, but Raven Steelers certainly would have been a great game to be able to watch in the nightcap. But for a lot of the reasons Maggie mentioned when I was a kid, I definitely didn't like it because we were at somebody else's house and there was not always a guarantee that the game was going to be on, especially on my mom's side of the family where they could care less about anything related to the national football league. They couldn't tell you anything about it and they don't care. So if that's where we went for Thanksgiving, it was a flip of the coin. If I got to watch the Packers play that day or not. And I definitely didn't like that possibility either. So that's kind of where I'm at and how I feel on that. I like these stress-free Thursdays. I like to watch my football on, or I like to watch the Packers specifically on Sunday afternoons. So Jimmy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I don't mind it. I think now, especially since they are going to have to play a Thursday game eventually, I kind of like the idea of them playing on Thanksgiving, just so I am, like Maggie said, with my family, it's kind of a, a mini Packer party with way more food than usually. So uh, I, I don't, I don't mind Thanksgiving. They get a little mini buy. I'm with all my family, some family that I don't get to see all the time and they can see how crazy I am on uh, Packer Sundays pacing back and forth in the living room. So, and in case they do lose, like you mentioned, they don't always play the best on Thanksgiving. My mind can quickly change because I have some family there to kind of uh, lift the spirits a little bit, but I don't mind Thanksgiving. I like watching Packer games with a large amount of people. So I do if it's at the stadium, but <laughs> <laughs> not, not my family members, especially when, I mean, I live in bear country, so the family that does care about football, they're bear fans. So, oh yeah. And not only are they bear fans, then they're anti Packer fans on this specific day. So they're rooting for the lions when they're playing uh, wow. green Bay on Thanksgiving day. So I just like when I'm with a group, I'm not the only one like yelling and going crazy. So it's nice to just kind of be with other people who are into the game, just like I am. Whereas if I just watch it at home, my wife love her dearly. 
is not much of a football fan. So I just look extra crazy when she sits on the couch and I'm jumping up and down and stuff. So it's nice to do yeah. that with a, a little bit of company sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. I remember the last time I watched a Thanksgiving game in a house was when they played Detroit and it was Matt Flynn and they lost 40 to 10 or something stupid like that. It was, just, it was embarrassing. And the whole game, like everybody's kind of like trying to walk on eggshells. It was like, guys, I gave up on this game at halftime. Like it's fine. They're <laughs> not coming back to win. So that part was interesting. Uh, that's one memory. So what is your guys' favorite Packers related Thanksgiving day memory? Uh, Jimmy, let's start with you. Yeah. So this one's a little bit strange uh, because they didn't win, but when in 2015, I, I, that's the year I lived abroad in China. So I didn't watch a lot of games live. Um, but I was with my friend who's also a diehard Packer fan. And we decided to, to watch that. We watched, we were able to watch that game live. And then with Brett Favre and Bart Starr being there, I know the game didn't end the way we wanted, but it was just kind of a nice feeling of being back home, just watching a Packer game live, being with another person who's a Packer fan. So I don't know, just a little bit of, kind of cured my homesick because a year away was pretty tough. So that's a, that was a Thanksgiving memory for me. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or an overbearing parent screaming words of wisdom from the stands, fewer than 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Whether it be 30 years of Hall of Fame QB play in Green Bay or 30 years of quarterback torture in Chicago, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football. Maggie? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the 2015 game, and obviously the game itself was not a good game. But I watched that game with my dad, and there was just something so special about not knowing if Bart Starr was going to be healthy enough to make the trip. And I felt so bad that the weather was so awful because, you know, you didn't want him going out in those elements. But the way that Brett was with him and Rogers came over and um, it, it was just a really special moment. And I know that, you know, Bears fans take pride in the fact that they won that one and it wasn't, you know, the the wholesome Packers uh, victory that we wanted. But having Starr back and knowing he only got to come back a couple times after that, I think is what made it so significant. And Thanksgiving is just such a football family kind of day anyway, that when you see those three pieces of history and Packers history together, you can't help but feel a little better, even in a loss. Well, that's certainly going to be a clean sweep here. Cause I was in the house that <laughs> night and I remember uh, being in the tunnel before they brought star out on a golf cart and he kind of drove past where we were all standing and then everybody just kind of stopped what they were doing and gave him a standing ovation before he went out onto the field uh, and kind of drove around. But that was all, it was crazy because it was Brett Favre's night. That was the night they retired his number and everything like that. But it very, very quickly turned into Bart Starr's night. And yeah. just the, and for a lot of the reasons Maggie mentioned, obviously the, we weren't sure if he was going to be able to come. I remember Mark Murphy saying, you know, he's worked very hard to be here with all of you. And then Bart Starr coming out and just kind of the, you could tell like he knew where he was and how excited everybody was to see him. And there's actually a picture I've got hanging out behind me over here of Favre kind of holding him. It was like, it was like a son holding his elderly dad or something like that when, you know, when he came out on the field and then you've got those sound clips of Bart telling Brett how good it was to see him and, how everything was and just finally having 
the Holy Trinity that of those three quarterbacks in the building at the same time. And that was the only time that ever happened with all three of them in the building at the same time. And, you know, like Maggie mentioned, I think star came back at least one other time. I know he came back for a new Orleans game that Brett Hundley started. And that's the only other time I know that was his last game. Cause Sherry star said as much uh, after that game. And he may have come back in the 2016 season, but I don't think he did 2017. He came back. Yeah. For that saints game. Yeah. And and that was special too, but it just, all of it. I don't even remember anything about the game, honestly. Like it, it didn't matter. Uh, everything else from there, that Packers team wasn't very good. And I think by that point in the year, we had all kind of figured out that, that Packers team was probably not as good as we had hoped they were going to be. And it didn't matter uh, that they had lost that game because those three, there was that moment and it was, it was absolutely incredible. And it was an awesome experience to be a part of. So for the bears fans that are listening to this podcast, I'm not sure why you're listening, but I mean, cool. If you want to, if you want to get behind <laughs> enemy lines here, but um, I am take it. That's fine. Because one that all happened and that definitely supersedes it. And two, we all know that, the biggest game in the history of these two rivals was the game at soldier field to go to the super bowl. And we all know who won that one. So we've got the biggest one. So, yeah. and we always will. So keep that in mind. Um, it is, I was just real. It is always cool when there's moments that just surpass football, just to remind everybody, like there is like an aspect of football that isn't just, you're watching your team play, like just seeing yeah. three legend quarterbacks, just all on the field together. Like you said, that was enough for Packer fans to kind of forget about the outcome of the game. So it's kind of cool to see the non-football moments, be such like an important part of it. Yeah. And you get that connection to like, I mean, none of us saw Bart star play obviously, but you've heard the stories and just to see like the legend in the flesh, like that's, that's special. Like mm-hmm. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Like he was in the stadium. I was in the same building as Bart star. That's crazy to think about. Like I was walking I fully cried theater. when I saw him in 2017. That was, yeah, it was incredible. And you know, it was kind of sad to watch the the decline if you will yeah. um mm-hmm. of stars as health you know just kind of took the turn that it did but you know thankfully he was able to work his way back and kind of get through everything that feature that they did uh i think it was before the opener against chicago in 2018 the rogers comeback game that they did with there was something they did on bart star and that was incredible too. There's, mm-hmm. there's so many good things that they've done. And as somebody, when you're a Packers fan, you kind of almost have to be a historian of the game and, and appreciate the history and everything that's come to it. And there is nothing about, there's nothing really that speaks to the history of the franchise, the NFL, everything than there is that's Bart Starr. I mean, obviously you can tell the story of Vince Lombardi and Don Hudson and Curly Lambeau and everything like that. But really, if you look at the face of the Packers from that era, it's Bart Starr. And I say that with all due respect to all the other Hall of Famers that they played with. And there's so many of them and there's so many great players. But, you know, I've, the other thing I've noticed is if you listen to the way that – listen to Jerry Kramer talk about Bart Starr. It's they revere him. Like it's very similar in the way that they talk about Vince Lombardi. And I've always found that interesting and touching for a lot of different reasons. So that's a clean sweep. That was an easy one. I guess I didn't think about that when we talked about the topic that maybe we wouldn't come up with something different back in the day. The other thing I remember was John Madden used to give out these big, thick Turkey legs and kudos to Jimmy for coming up with this topic. But John Madden would give those out to 
a lot of times it was players on the Cowboys because the Cowboys were really good when we were kids and they played on Thanksgiving all the time. And I'd always have to watch Emmett Smith or Troy Aikman get these turkey legs after they went on Thanksgiving Day. So we came up with the idea of who on this Packers team has earned the biggest turkey leg so far this season with the way that the season has gone. So you can include Aaron Rodgers if you'd like to. I think we said before the show that we would try not to, but if you'd like to, uh, why not? We'll we'll let the man have some turkey if that's necessary. He's not eating avocado ice cream and all that other nonsense yet. So we'll give him some turkey if he needs to. Maggie, wh- who do you got? So I'm glad you mentioned avocado ice cream because one of my favorite Thanksgiving memories is uh, Tom Brady with, you know, like the meat that's been sitting there for who knows how long. And you have Vince Wilfork, who is just going to town. Like he's so excited to have turkey in front of him. And they try to give Tom Brady like a turkey leg. So he looks like he's invested in the bit they're doing. And he just looks so disgusted holding it like in his hand. And he d- he didn't want to bite it and he didn't really know what to do with it. So he's just kind of holding it. And uh, Will Fork is going in on the turkey. So that's, I always think about that when I think of Thanksgiving games, is just the contrast in the players that we saw. But I definitely think that Aaron Rodgers gets one of the the two turkey legs. You know, we talked pre-show that he's going to hit 50K career yards, or he should on Sunday night. So that's going to be a historic night for him. And I said on Pax that she said that I hope Tim Boyle is in charge of getting that ball um, after he officially hits 50 K so that Rogers can frame it and keep it in his house if it doesn't go to Canton. But to me, it's actually Jair Alexander. Uh, he gets the other Turkey leg. And I think, you know, we expected him to have a good season. Um, but I mean, balls aren't even getting thrown his way, you know, like it's, he is to the point now where he's in the all pro conversation. He is an absolute lockdown corner and we thought that he was going to be good, but he is just putting together such an exceptional season season. And, you know, I know that he's lacking in interceptions, but that's because nobody's throwing the ball anywhere near him. So I think he's kind of been the face of the defense and, you know, one element of the defense that we don't have to worry about each week. Yeah, it's certainly been, again, we're getting back to the whole point of why it's so frustrating when you can basically play 10 on 10 and still not be a really good deep, but that's beside the point. So one for Jair, (laughs) Jimmy. Uh, I'm going to go with Elton Jenkins. He, <laughs> Jacob, by your face, I could tell I stole yours. Um, Nobody you, ever picks offensive linemen. It's always me. And now, of course, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I planned that. I was like, you know what? Jacob's probably going to pick an offensive lineman. Let me pick one. Um, no, but last season, he didn't give up a single sack. And I was one who was thinking, like, how is he going to top that this year um, after such like a, an incredible rookie season? And he did that by playing – every position you want him to play. So he's, he's taken snaps in his Packard career at every position. He's only allowed one sack and over a thousand snaps. And it's just incredible what this guy could do in his second year in the NFL um, to just be relied on this, to switch around whenever need be. Just look at the Colts game. He ended up being the center. Um, and they said he used to call, or he'd call out plays in practice before Lindsley to just to kind of practice that and just know what's going on. So it's, his work ethic is just incredible and it, it's proven now and shows now with him being able to just move around wherever they need him to go. So Elton Jenkins, I'll send you that cheese that you tweeted about like three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Elton as well. We were having this discussion myself and Alex Struff the other night about is it's crazy that you can have Jair Alexander on your record as Brian Gutekunst and there's somebody else we could have a legitimate discussion as to whether Elton Jenkins is actually the better player. I think from a positional value standpoint, 
you get the nod to Jair because he plays cornerback, and that's obviously an extremely valuable position. But you mentioned Jenkins' ability to move around the offensive line. He played left tackle. He plays left guard at a high level. He played center this weekend. He played right guard a couple years ago in the preseason, so I'm sure he could play that at a very high level this year if they needed him to. And he started the season at right tackle. And I remember as soon as I saw that, I was like, bad, bad idea. I didn't like the idea of playing musical chairs with the offensive line. It was something I, I thought Mike McCarthy did too much early in his tenure when he was the head coach. And then I thought Matt LaFleur was getting a little cute, especially early on in the year without Billy Turner being able to play. But Jenkins has been rock solid. It hasn't mattered where he's played. And now I think you're looking at the possibility of him being maybe the center of the future. Maybe he could be the right tackle of the future, or maybe they're just going to let him play left guard and be an all pro there for the next decade next to David Bakhtiari. And eventually if he's playing for a decade, he probably won't be next to David Bakhtiari that entire time, but I'll give a little bit of credit at the same time to Russ Ball and Brian Gutekunst because they came into the season needing to re-sign quite a few guys and they've gotten the two most important deals done. Kenny Clark and D David Bakhtiari getting four-year contracts and being in the fold for the foreseeable future. So I will give those guys some credit as well from that standpoint. I know a lot of people, when you bring up Brian Gutekunst, want to talk about the draft and that's fine. There's certainly some questions that arise from this past offseason. That's whatever. I'm not going to beat that dead horse. There are some good things as well. And getting two stalwart standout players with needing big extensions done over the next, you know, one off season, getting those done before the off season even hit the season's not even over. So now they have the ability if they want to, to re-sign more guys or have some flexibility in March, like they talked about to potentially sign some free agents if they choose to go that route. So I cheated. I gave an honorable mention, but overall my, my pick is Elton Jenkins Sunday night. 720. Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy are going to be on the call. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are taking the week off. Uh, they've done that a few times this season. So we've get we get Tirico and Colin or Tirico and Dungy on Sunday night for the Packers and the Bears. A rivalry renewed. The last time these two teams played on Sunday night football, well, you know what happened. It was 20 to nothing. Aaron Rodgers runs out of the tunnel, and it's the loudest I have ever heard Lambeau Field. I think the lasting image from that game has actually become Sarah Kelleher, one of our teammates. Uh, she's got her hand on her head and she said, I will never be the same after what I just witnessed or something like that. It was just, I will, my lasting memory from that game too is I left my phone in the tunnel and I went back into the tunnel at halftime and my phone is blown up. The bears bear down, blah, 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 whatever nonsense that they decided to throw out. I didn't respond to anything. It was 20 to nothing. What the hell am I going to say? And then the game obviously ends the way that it does. Nothing. It was dead silent. I had zero notifications after the game was over. And I texted every single one of those people that I had back. I was like, did something happen? How did the game end? You guys were awfully quiet after a while. What happened? So that's what happened the last time these two teams played on Sunday Night Football. The last time they played a primetime game, it was 10 to 3. Adrian Amos with a game ceiling interception. Uh, after hearing an entire offseason about how he wasn't that good, not a playmaker, blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of cool too. And the Packers are 42 and 15 or 42 and 13. Let me get that real quick. It's some ridiculous number since 1992, according to, yes, yeah, 42 and 15 since 1992 against the Chicago Bears. So it's it's been good. Life's been good if you're on the Packers side of this rivalry. 
And Sunday night, the Packers need to bounce back and get to eight and three. That's the reality of where they're at. It's unfortunate. They should be eight and two right now, but they're not. And team's got to bounce back and win in this league, and that's how things are going to work. I look forward to a big night from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think he's going to have a couple deep balls down the field, and that's something the Bears have struggled with. So I think it fits very well for MBS to have a bit of a bounce back. I don't want to call it a revenge game because I'm kind of with everyone else. The main talking point that's come out is that you know the Packers aren't even in position to win that game in overtime without the plays that MBS made, and I do agree with that. Um, but I do think that he has position to kind of – atone for that mistake, if you will. I think he could catch a couple deep balls, draw a couple PI flags, whatever. But I look forward to a potential big night from MBS. Uh, I like Green Bay's chances here. I think they win uh, 31 to 20. I think Chicago makes a couple plays, but ultimately their offense is just putrid. And in this in this league, you can't be horrible on offense. You just can't. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. You have to be able to do something on offense, and I don't think they can. So I like Green Bay, and I like them by double digits. Maggie? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, lots of fun little little tidbits in this game. You know, the Packers are going for win number 100 in the series. It would be the second team that Green Bay has uh, triple-digit wins over, obviously the first being Detroit with 103. Andy Herman had tweeted that out. They're 99, 95, and 6 in the all-time series. Um so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we know Aaron Rodgers could hit 50K for his passing yards. Um, and then we have um, – shit, I just completely blanked what I was saying. Um, MVS is 64 yards away from his career high. So we saw, you know, obviously he wasn't a starter in 2018 and kind of a starter in 2019. But it's nice to see the progression that he's making as a wide receiver, even though it maybe doesn't feel as much – like a progression. So, you know, he's still theoretically, like you said, if he has a deep ball or two, he could hit his career high yardage total on Sunday night as well with five and a half games left to play. So I agree with you. I'm thinking it's a 10 point win for the Packers to score. I have them 27, 17 on Sunday night. All right. So a clean sweep for the Packers. I'm assuming Jimmy, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to show everyone why he was over Mahomes and Watson. So no, um, I'm going to go with, uh, no, I'm with you guys. It's going to be a clean sweep. I think the Packers last week, they barely touched the ball in the second half, and they they finished the game with 31 points. Um, and I know the Bears' defense is really good, but I just I think there's going to be a big bounce-back game. I don't see three fumbles and an interception happening on offense this week. I think we're going to double the, the Bears' score. I'm going to give Packers 34, Bears 17. So there you have it. We all like Green Bay, and we all like them by a relatively substantial margin on Sunday night. So – Please don't bet at the house on the Bears, actually. I don't I don't believe in jinxes, and I don't think that's going to happen Sunday night either. So I look forward to a good game. If you guys are celebrating with people today, be safe. Certainly enjoy your holiday and enjoy your time off. If you guys are working today, be safe out there as well. Thank you to everybody. We're thankful every single day that you guys have tuned in and allowed us to uh, do this. Uh, something, and I've said this on this show before, but I always reiterate it. Something that I learned when I was an intern for Packer Report was Bill Huber told me that if you don't have readers and you don't have listeners, you're just writing in a diary. And I can speak for all three of us when I say that we are not writing and speaking into an echo chamber, that we have listeners every single day. And I've appreciated over the last year or so being able to interact and get to meet and greet some of you guys. It's been a lot of fun especially in a year where we're not really allowed to go out and do anything anywhere. So I look forward to next Thanksgiving around this time frame, being able to you know, meet some of you guys and 
have a couple beers and talk Packers and do all that good stuff. But uh, we are out of time for today's show. Uh, you can catch me. I'm Jacob Westendorf on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. One article a week over at Packer Report. I just had one this week about why Rashawn Gary needs to be a starter, which Maggie said she likes to normally make fun of me about, but I was spot on. I'll let her explain that later if she so chooses, but it's time for Rashawn Gary to be a starter. And then you can find me game on Wisconsin at game on WI and just about anything on that network. I have my hands in the pot at least a little bit for some of that stuff, but that is me and I am nothing without my counterparts. So here's my best one. It's Maggie. Maggie, where can we find you? (laughs) Um, to clarify, I said I like to make fun of you because uh, you call Rashawn Gary your son, but I fully actually agree with you that it's not a bias in your life and he just needs to start more. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I podcast with Perry Goldstein uh, for PAX What She Said, and then you can catch both of us again on Mondays at 6 p.m. Lambo time doing happy hour through Game On Wisconsin. And of course, James. <laughs> Please don't call me James. Um, you can find me, like Jacob said, I'm same with him. I have an article come out every Tuesday on Packer Report. Uh, besides that, you can find me on uh, or at Game on Wisconsin. I do a show every Tuesday with Jacob and Jamal uh, Williams for his uh, Christmas toy drive that he's doing. So. Anyone listening in the Green Bay area, please reach out to us with some nominations for families who can use uh, use some gifts around this time. It's we want to give them as much um, as much as possible. So if you have any families yeah, in the kudos area, kudos to the NFL by the way. We announce what day the swag bag giveaway is going to be, and then yeah. they schedule the Panthers game on that day. That was yeah. great. So it was supposed to be on the 19th, but the Packers played the 19th. So it's looking like it's, it'll be the 20th, but we will have a for sure date. But any families known in the Green Bay area that can use some extra help, some uplifting spirits around the Christmas time, please just reach out to us. And uh, Jamal and his, his family and crew will be more than willing to help out. And then besides that, Lombardi Bar on Wednesday and then the pre-snap on Sunday over at Game on Wisconsin. Yeah, Jimmy and I spend way too much time together is what we gathered there. We're starting to finish each other's sentences and text messages and stuff like it's getting really, really strange. Wear the same shirts on accident. Yeah, it's a little (laughs) weird. But that's the Pack-A-Day podcast, guys, from all of us here. uh, And Andy Herman, our pod father, and the entire team have a happy, safe, and uh, Thanksgiving. And we will look forward to seeing you guys next week after the Packers get to 8-3. and And without uh, further ado, after further review, the Bears still suck. is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.